really we really should charge for the the, the pre-show consultation. We should have a separate uh, uh, subscriber status so you can catch the uh, breaks and the post and the post game shows and the pre-game shows before we get launched. Yeah, if hey, they everybody, think, if they think coaches' jokes are good later in the show, they should get yeah. the ones before I hit the on-air button. Yeah. Hey, uh, folks, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. It's uh, Tuesday at noon. We uh, come to you every week at this time with uh, former Georgia Bulldogs head coach Jim Dunnan, our uh, managing uh, producer, if you will, uh, Dane Young, who does a great job. And, of course, my name is Roger DeBulsey. I will be your host for the next hour or so. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And there's a lot going on. I mean, we, you know, we're looking at some of the recruiting success Georgia's had. I think they had five recruits uh, commit in May. And that's just in 2024 class. And they had another 2025 kid commit yesterday, and Tate uh, Harris out of Cedartown. Three other commits in the 2024 class in June. A lot going on there. But we have a great show about that that you need to catch on Monday night. It's called Rumors versus Facts. Those guys had Tay Harris on last night. They always have recruits on. It's a big deal. So we don't want to rehash a lot of what they did. I want to talk Georgia football in June. What's going on with the Georgia Bulldogs? We knew all those young guys, uh, you know, the last six showed up to class or showed up to uh, enroll, and they're going through summer workouts. There's eight hours of uh, meetings that are going on. So let's pepper Jim Dunn with, uh, you know, we have a former Georgia Bulldogs head coach here. He knows what happens in June. He knows what happens, you know, what he's made his coaches do. So, Coach, uh, while we're sitting here June 20th, what the hell's going on? Yeah, a little bit different uh, timetable now with the uh, official visits in the summer. You know, we used to have unofficial visits. People would come by, but uh, now they with early signing day. But uh, really, uh, the calendar is such that, uh, you got to build in these camps, these seven-on-seven seven camps, uh, these individual workouts, and then you also got your own team that you got to develop too. So, just from a standpoint of a one-two-three here, recruiting-wise, uh, they're having uh, you know official visits are winding down next weekend. This coming weekend will be the last official visit weekend for anybody in the country, and then you'll have a dead period. So, most of the guys that uh, or either committed to us or, or we're looking at have been here, although we have a few more coming in this coming weekend. And uh, just for the fans, what happens? The guys come in, they go over to the uh, south end zone, they have a speaker, they have some different uh, people talk about UGA. If, if there's a lot of old linemen, then they bring back some ex-college old linemen that are pros now to talk to them. D linemen like Walker and Davis were here last week. And uh, after that, they go out into the stadium, take pictures and do stuff like that. And the recruits go out with their host and the parents go over to Kirby's house. And uh, they usually play dominoes and uh, cards the first night. And then on Saturday night, they usually do some kind of karaoke and do, you know, have a lot of fun, interact. But Saturday morning, they go for a uh, tour of the campus and they also tour the facilities, talk to the strength coach, the trainers, the nutritionists, and then they have a lunch. And then that night they uh, usually rent someplace and uh, really put on the food bag and eat a lot. And then uh, Sunday morning they have a breakfast over at Kirby's house and they all meet with him individually and their position coach. So that's an official weekend. So anyhow, the, during the week, though, the, the uh, UJ coaches are just doing a yeoman's job. They're having 32 teams a day this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Last week, they had 32 on Tuesday, 32 on Thursday, only about 20 on Wednesday. I don't know what happened that day. but uh, And as we mentioned last week, I think just, just to get these people on campus has a tremendous value, whether they're recruits or not. You're recruiting students, and you're also talking to coaches. Uh, you're getting young people around the college atmosphere. And not only do the skilled people come, but the linemen come too, and they have a separate workout against other teams where uh, our coaches like Stacy Searles and Trey Scott will help them on technique and everything. So that's a really good uh, competitive situation. And then – Throughout that day, today, Wednesday, and Thursday, they'll have individuals that have good skill sets like Roddy as an old lineman or Dane as a general manager. They would have them in and talk to them about what they could do uh, and test them and everything. 
And then you also have your own team, which is the most important. They're going through strength and conditioning, uh, agility. Some of them are taking, you know, some online courses. And then in the afternoon, you can have them eight hours a week. So they usually have about an hour a day mental meeting-wise and about an hour on the field. And then the coaches have to leave when they do seven-on-seven. So it's a really uh, glued-in type deal there. It's just an hour-to-hour, balls-to-the-wall type deal. And This is the off-season, Coach. Aren't these coaches supposed to be relaxing? No, they get a chance to here in about another week. They have their uh, vacation set up where – over the next three and a half weeks, they, they have certain days that they can be gone. And each coach has about three days where he's kind of the officer of the day where you have at least one offense and one defensive coach here in case something would happen. Or also there to just let the players know from a symbolism standpoint that coaches are around for the different things. But the coach – the coaches deserve some time off. You know, the, the analysts and the GAs and all that, they're around, but you got the coaches and then uh, then you got media days coming up and then the first day of practice there in August. So it goes pretty quick, but that, that's a pretty good rundown on what's happening during the, uh, the last few days, I think. Summer is always an interesting time on campus because once students leave after graduation and it is the summertime, you just see all the construction equipment just emerge and take over <laughs> campus as they try to do as much as they can over the next two, two and a half months. And I think that that's important for people that are on campus. It's a lot of visitors on campus right now. It really becomes uh, not about the people that are at UGA during the summer. It's people getting exposure to UGA. And I think that definitely happens with athletics. And I think we had a really good uh, insight to a lot of the construction being done around campus. People need to go check out the podcast that coach and I did with Josh Brooks last week, where he updated a lot of the short and long-term plans for a variety of sports at UGA. You see that happening right now. Yeah. I mean, that um, you make a good point about, uh, let's just say that uh, like my next door neighbor, his son's looking at, and, and, and don't forget to mention Rachel, too, the, the wife. Uh, but his son's looking at different schools, and he's going around visiting places and in the summer, just like uh, these recruits are. Uh, the prospective students are going and checking out campuses. So uh, there's a lot to, to – uh, you know, it's, it's a big formative year for a young man or a lady going into their senior year in high school and trying to make that decision about where they want to go to college. and. One thing I would say about local people on Georgia is sometimes you think you know everything about Georgia because you lived here. You went to Clark Central High School or Oconee or North Oconee or Prince or Academy, and you think you know everything about it. But go take an on-campus visit. Go around and, and visit with some of the students and interact there because sometimes the grass looks greener, but, hey, stick around here. Uh, you got a great opportunity to go to a tremendous school here right in your backyard. And once you leave the nest, so to speak, you're going to be living in a dorm on campus. You're going to be joining a fraternity or sorority. So uh, don't, don't worry about, you know, uh, being uh, too close to your family and all. But I wouldn't say this. Let me just remind you of this one point. Uh, anybody that's not homesick, something's wrong with their home. I mean, that's what you should be. You should miss your family. You should miss your brothers and sisters and all that. But, hey, but you got to go on and step out on your own. And so much for philosophy from the old coach here. But I've – No, that's a good point, Coach. That's a good point. I've seen, I've seen that happen a lot. Uh, you know, everybody thinks they're so tough and everything. And one of the hardest things that first day of uh, summer camp used to be when you saw that mom and dad drive off and these young men facing reality, they're getting ready to be on their own. They got all the uh... – 2023 signees, you know, a bunch of them enrolled early, plus you had the three transfers, and you had the six that showed up here at the uh, last few days of May. Uh, these, This is that summer you're away from home, and you're working out against guys who, when you left your small town or you left your town, you were the number one guy. Everybody talked about you. You were recognized everywhere you went. Here, you are another cog in the machine. You know, you were there are guys who are just as talented, who are three years older than you, who are starters and you got to try to beat them out. It's, it's intimidating. You can get homesick. And 
all the little campers that come by, they get a little homesick. And uh, those seven on seven guys, they don't see their home. All those those thirty two schools a day, that seven on seven thing is a grind if you're on that uh, circuit. So there's a lot going on with those guys. Yeah, but they play, they play like, I think six games. The championship team has to win like six games the way the brackets are set up and everything. But uh, it, it's a lot of fun to, to see these guys and see them compete. And like I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you got them from all over the East Coast. I mean, you had one in from Miami, Florida, some people from Virginia, North Carolina. I mean, Alabama, they're, they're in here from everywhere. Now, you know, no, no good football players come out of North Carolina, Coach. You know that. Come on. Oh, you know, just about every 50, 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's saying of, it's, they're about due is what he's saying. Yeah. So speaking of good football players, uh, Dylan Rayola apparently was in town, the uh, number one player in the country, the five-star Georgia quarterback commit. Uh, Coach, you mentioned that some of those guys come in and they work out for the coaches and they – uh, in the seven-on-seven, seven, they can pull a guy aside and kind of look at him and test him out. And the, the big men come in, and they go head-to-head, and Stacey Searles and Trey Scott and uh, Chadira Uzidaribe are all checking those guys out, seeing what they can do. Uh, we see occasionally guys get called in, and then they work out for the coaches. They get a, or at least a, you know, hey, run this 40. Let's get a real time on you, not what your high school coach says with his very generous stopwatch. You know, let's get your height and weight. Like they just had that big kid come in from um, – uh, up north, he's three, six foot eight, 370 pounds. You know, they get some good weights and numbers on these guys. But it's also a chance for uh, you to kind of, I don't say weed through because that just sounds wrong, but see what these kids can do in that uh, that testing setting. So how much of that's going on? Yeah, what, what the legality of it is, you can have a camp as long as it's publicized and get kids okay. pay a certain money, amount of money each each kid, I think, pays 45 50 bucks for, like, the daily thing. And, you know, once you get them here, then you you can if, – if it's not enrolled in the camp, you certainly can't try them out unless you're some slap place that does it anyhow. But, you know, there's rules there, and uh, and it's good. You bring them in here let them throw to some receivers and uh, see what they can do. But, you know, one of the things for anybody that was up in Mars or Pluto last week, they had the Elite eleven where they had the top 12 or 14 quarterbacks in the country. And Georgia was represented with two, with uh, Ryan and uh, Dylan out there. And they both did extremely well. I talked to uh, several of my friends that actually are involved with that. Uh, and they were they marveled at not only their uh, arm strength and accuracy, but their just football acumen, their ability to relate to the other players. And it's not just the, uh, the uh, guys that are – uh, quarterbacks there. They got to have some people to throw to. So there's some really good receivers, some DBs, and the name that kept coming up, coming up over and over and over. Ellis Robinson, that guy. They just talk about it. He said that he jump on. He could cover. They thought he's going to go over to the Rams camp and cover uh, some of their coaches. <laughs> I mean, this guy's woo. I mean, make my mouth water right now to hear that kind of stuff. And the guys that are telling me that. I mean, they're not like Dane telling me where I know it's 100%, but they're close. These guys got some really good vibes on people through the years. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's good to hear that from people outside your own recruiting mesh here. Some people that are looking at them that, that have run these camps forever. You know, we used to have a tremendous relationship with Trent Dilfer. Now he's the coach at uh, UAB, but – Trent would give me all the rundown on these guys and, and you know, say, hey, well, you know, I'm not this high on this. I'm not this. And now I'm getting it for some other guys. I'm not going to tell you who, but they, <laughs> Come on. they were both talking. I mean, all three of them couldn't say enough good things about our two quarterbacks. And uh, really the, the quarterback from Alabama that was kind of up in the air, we didn't know what he was going to do. Is that him calling now? Uh, yeah, hey, don't give away our secrets. That's, right, that, that's one of the sources right there. It's saying, hey, Coach, hey, you know, better. This guy here wants to know what time the, we're going to do the pizza commercial. <laughs> uh, Ellis Robinson, folks, uh, for anybody that may have forgotten, uh, the number one cornerback in the nation, according to the Rivals rankings, uh, number 22 player overall. I, wasn't sure. I thought he was 25. He actually moved up to 22, right on the cusp of being named a five-star player. 
we had a ton of rivals guys out there evaluating the top, uh, like Julian say in the Alabama commit, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Puglisi, the Georgia commits, uh, Dylan Rayola, the Georgia commit. And it, every, there's, a, there's a reason we update rankings multiple times throughout the, uh, the recruiting cycle, namely because you go see a guy, you get more information. You can move him up or let other people move ahead of him, depending on what you've seen. And you got to think that when Ellis Robinson goes up there and tears it up, that they feel very confident in having him ranked as the number one cornerback. And they're like, is he a, is he a, is he a first round draft pick? If he is, then they'll give him that fifth star in their uh, estimation. And uh, Ryan Puglisi, right off the bat, and the, you know a lot of people keep talking about how he's the the other QB, the your QB two, and you know the backup to Dylan Rayola. And I'm telling people, do not make that assumption. Do not shortchange Ryan Puglisi. There's a reason Georgia went after him. They actually let a couple other quarterbacks that wanted to come to Georgia, you know, go somewhere else. And they went full in on Ryan Puglisi. They like him. And so you have two strong quarterbacks coming to Georgia who are going to have a you know good fight next year. So it's going to be fun to watch. The Elite 11 gets a bit more coverage every year. And Coach, it was actually one of your friends that we've done a podcast with before, Bruce Feldman, that he wrote about it for The Athletic. He had one of the best lines in there just to kind of give gravity to what we're looking at with these prospects. And it was something like 30% of four- and five-star prospects pan out to, to even be starters in some cases. Uh, I don't remember the exact number it was, but it was just the gravity of – these are all really good prospects and it's a low percentage to make sure you get one that's going to be a star for you. Right. They're usually speaking, the guys four or five, I mean, in between a four and five star, pretty much close to can't miss unless he just doesn't want to put in the work and keep getting better. But uh, I don't get too caught up in these stars like some people do, but, I do get caught up in other people's recommendation that, that are watching them and comparing them to people in the past. You know what I mean? Uh, just like give you an example about how arms compared to a certain other guy that's been there, you know, has some of the same characteristics of this guy, you know, all that, that that's good. That should be good for Georgia. I mean, go anybody's a Georgia fan here, go get you a piece of key lime pie. Listen about the quarterback. <laughs> quarterback. Hey, you say so you don't get into stars. I do want to talk about somebody who does get into stars, and that's our friends at Athens Ford. They do a great job with their five-star Fridays, in which they uh, look at they get five-star reviews from some of their uh, people who have bought cars from them. So uh, Athens Ford, they do a, a great job making you happy when you come in. They're not there to uh, uh, push a car on you you don't want. They're, they're fine if you just come in and look around. They'll help you out. And if you want to look without being bothered, trust me, they'll let you do that too. If you have any questions, there'll be Johnny on the spot to help you out. And every time you go to, I think it's Rate My Dealer or whatever that uh, uh, web service is for rating car dealerships, they always have five-star evaluations. And people, they make, they've only been around like 10 years, but the amount of repeat customers they have is phenomenal. And everyone says, would you buy from them again? It's in the upper 90 percentile of uh, ratings. A quick deal right now for you to know, uh, if you want to get a 2023 Ford F-150 uh, XLT, you can get up to $6,000 off and 3.9% financing for 60 months. And the Ford Explorer, up to $5,000 off MSRP and 3.9% uh, APR financing for 60 months for qualified buyers. So two of the best-selling vehicles in the nation, Ford F-150, the best-selling truck in the world, and the 2023 Ford Explorer, I am a big advocate of the Explorer because I have one and they are phenomenal vehicles. Uh, speaking of phenomenal, I'll submit our friends at uh, Prime Shrimp. If you go into grocery stores in Louisiana and Alabama and soon in Georgia, you will be able to get Prime Shrimp in the boxes there. You don't even have to have it delivered to your house. Just go to check out the freezer section. But if you are not in one of those areas and you would like to uh, uh, have some Prime Shrimp delivered to your house, go to primeshrimp.com, use promo code UGA Sports. Get 20% off your first order. They will send it to you directly to your house. It'll come frozen with some dry ice, put it in your freezer. And then when you are ready, you just drop the little bag into boiling water and you have perfectly cooked shrimp every time that is seasoned beyond compare. You will be very, very happy with it. I guarantee it. If you don't like it, let me know. I'll, I'll see what we can do for you. But I've never had anybody say they didn't love prime shrimp. So hit them up. 
Coach gave the rundown of what coaches do in the summertime. What sports media people do, at least my friends in my circle, we try to predict which Georgia players will be the ones representing UGA at SEC media days. And so I want to group think this for a second because I have a list of I think I have five, and and so I need help in selecting the three among these. Coach, let me know if I'm missing someone that you think has a, a shot to represent Georgia here. Uh, but I have Cedric Van Pram, Zion Logue, Javon Bullard, Brock Bowers, and Lad McConkey. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to – Van Pram's going to be there for sure. Bowers more than likely, although – they're gonna take have to get something to say, get him to say something. You know, he just doesn't like to talk. And then I, I think it's between Bullard and uh, Thomas and and Pop uh, for the for the other one. Uh, I, I would say those would be the, the people, the three. Uh, you know, Pekonki could come in there for uh, for Bowers. Only reason they wouldn't take Bowers is just because he's he's such a quiet guy. But you know, he he's very good interview if you yeah. you know if you really. He just doesn't like to talk about himself. I mean, that's just – it's kind of kid he is. But I can tell you this right now. I went over there the other day, and I, I started to go out there and grab him. I said, look, Brock, would you please just go back to California until September? <laughs> going too fast, man. I mean, God. I mean, he's a dynamo out there. I mean, it, 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 he sets such a good standard for everybody else. And, and you know, he, he just doesn't know any way to go but a 1,000 miles an hour. But uh, – just, uh, I, I've never, I mean, I, I've never seen about anybody that can consistently go at the rate he goes, no matter how many reps or how, how many, he's always going like optimum. So, uh, just everybody just needs to pinch himself and know you got this guy for one more year. The other name that I had on my list was Kamari Lassiter, if they would think about taking him. Second year, though, I don't think you – I mean – And they need to take – Because so. you're going to have a, the defensive guy. So, as Coach mentioned, Pop would be a great choice, I think. Uh, Pop and Bullard. Yeah, Bullard. Yeah. Of course, Zion Logue is very articulate. Have you listened to him interview? Oh, I love interviewing him. Interview. I think for the guy that uh, actually fulfills the media's desire at media days, you know, they want they want the sound bites, they Prince. want the energy – Got to take Nazir Stackhouse from the defense. That'd be the How about Warren Brinson? He interviews everybody. So, I mean, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> he's going to yeah, get on the wrong side of the room. Warren, Warren's a great interview. There, there's, and if you go to the front page of UGASports.com today and you read about some of the players that just finished their uh, uh, official visits to Georgia, all of them are talking about character and fit at Georgia. And Coach, we've peppered you with questions every time Georgia has an opening on the offensive or defensive staff we ask you about you know possible guys going in and you always hammer the fact that they have to fit the staff you can go get the best offensive line coach or best defensive line coach in America but if it doesn't fit the staff it creates more problems than it solves so yeah when you've got, when you've got a uh, proven entity you don't want to you want to keep going the same way and so you got to be careful about how you would uh you know who's going to be taking on that role so uh it's it's not like a, a team that's not winning and they, you have know, constant turnover and everything so yeah. uh he, he's hit you know i'd say he's hit every hire he's made since he's been here except for maybe two and uh that's pretty good that's pretty good when it comes to, comes to the recruits what does that say this is my June 20th prediction. I, I just want it to be out there. Cedric Van Pan, uh, Van Pran, Javon Bullard, Lad McConkey. That's who I'm going with for my prediction for media. Well, I mean, it's easy to do, and we just told you. <laughs> you didn't. You, you, you told me to put down Pop. I don't think they're going to send Pop. You gave you gave us the name. You don't think they'll take Bowers, the number one player in the country? You don't think he'll go? I think that he should go. I think that there's a chance that he doesn't want all that attention and decides not. He may not have a choice, and he has to go anyway. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're going to say somebody's going to tell Kirby, "Hey, I'm, coach, I'm not going." <laughs> yeah. He's well, say, I, I also think the SEC may tell Kirby when he Bowers there. <laughs> absolutely, different. SEC can tell him who they want to, but uh, Kirby's going to take who he wants. But. Uh, 
just to finish up the point there about the recruits that we're, we're hearing from Kirby and all the coaches talk to them about fit and character. And that translates into a very long list of, and I hear people say there's uh, culture issues, which is some BS guys, guys can be stupid. That doesn't mean it's condoned by the university. Uh, they could do stupid things, but when it comes to the list of potential players to go speak for this or to go to uh, do these charity events, uh, it is a long list of guys who are very well-spoken, uh, who can think on their feet, who can answer tough questions, who don't cross Kirby's line of giving out too much information, but still give us enough of, of insight into the program. So uh, I know we'll have a couple guys there at the SEC Media Days in July, made the reservations. It should be fun, but you couldn't go wrong with anybody on your list, Dane, and that list could be literally 30, 40 more guys deep. They're all they're – all, uh... They get training in that. They get training, media training. Uh, you know, this collective that they're in now, they have to be on these videos to, to get some of the money that's paid. So they'd have to do those. But uh, that's a good point. But I mean, you could send Kendall Milton, you could send Jalen Walker. I mean, the list of these small Monday. There's a right. Here's the other thing. Uh, you talk about goodwill and everything. Uh, here in the next few days, they, they always go to Camp Sunshine. Uh, take a group of uh, a full busload uh, two different days, so I'm sure they're looking forward to that. And then a, about uh, maybe a week ago, they they went on a leadership uh, deal where they went out and bonded, and uh, they they shot those uh, paint guns and had mission against each other. It was a lot of fun. It just you got to keep working to to build that connectivity and working with each other and. It's a lot of fun to do things like that. Well, I'm thinking if I'm on a uh, retreat like that and they're having paintball gunfights, I want to go with the offensive linemen. I want to go with the big boys that can hide behind them. Dane, I know that you want to. Uh, you got a list of offensive linemen. We've been doing a position breakdown. We did last week, and we had some really good feedback on talking about the wide receivers, the running backs, and the tight ends. But Stacy Serial's got a microscope on him. He comes in after a couple great offensive line coaches, you know, and uh, Matt Luke and Sam Pittman. And every, all the eyes are on him, and his offensive line is pretty damn good last year. But, you know, all the eyes are on recruiting and all the eyes are on the current roster. So let's let's hit that real quick. Yeah, we're going to run one through more these. Thing I want to mention about the official visit since you talked about the paintball. They've started doing this uh, deal where they go over and throw these hatchets, uh, and these kids really love that. You know, uh, I don't know if that's the word hatchet or axe. Axe throwing and all that, but it, it, they, they go out and uh, – a lot of fun doing that, and then sometimes they, they play charades. They do all kind of things just to kind of, you know, icebreakers with, with the kids, and it's something to do different. So Apparently, Cyril's is the master of axe throwing. Who is? Stacy Cyril's. Is that right? That's what I heard. Good. I'm glad to know that. I, I hope he can <laughs> one of those other D-line coaches will. Let's get to the masters of the offensive line. Quick hitters on each of these guys, starting with the center, Cedric Van Pran. Well, I was glad Cedric came back. Uh, he had a chance to maybe be drafted middle of the third or fourth round last year. It's just hard to uh, – he's kind of in between size a little bit uh, in, in certain areas, but very articulate at the line of scrimmage, knows offensive uh, structures, knows protections, can read defenses. And he's a hard worker. He sets up uh, a really good standard for those younger kids. I mean, he plays through pain. He's a tough kid. And uh, he's got to be among the top two centers in the returning centers in the country. Starting right guard, Tate Ratledge. Well, Tate had some issues here his first year, you know, going in the Clemson game. He got that injury and missed so much. But he came back with a big year last year, had a great spring. He's a a lot bigger than you actually know he is. On uh, watching the the uh, on TV, he, he's just a massive guy and very personable and uh, good manners. Uh, and he's uh, kind of got a little mean streak in him too. So uh, got good feet, can pass protect, and our right hand side of the line's got to be among the best anywhere with uh, him and uh, Mims coming back. Mims got to play a lot last year, uh, and, you know, I talked about him when he first came in here. He, he's the most prototypical-looking old lineman I've ever seen, 
and uh, had a little bit of setback here last week. Got mono, so uh, I'm not sure that he's back out there yet. But he he's a very good. Uh, got a really good frame of uh, about where he is and what he needs to do to keep working and uh, always got a smile on his face. Uh, really good player. One of the most experienced offensive linemen on the team will go left guard, Xavier Truss. Truss started out here as a tackle and then uh, played in that game against Cincinnati and then has been back and forth that he can play tackle, but a very workmanlike guy that's uh, – does his job, uh, doesn't get enough credit for what he does good. Sometimes people are a little bit overcritical of things that he doesn't do, but uh, he's got good mobility, and uh, I think he realized that for him to go to the next level, he's going to have to keep straining and keep working because, uh, you know, he doesn't have some of the traits that some of these other guys do, but he's definitely got some mass, and he's got uh, – a lot of experience. He's played in some big ball games for Georgia, and I'm glad we got him. It's a battle at left tackle. We'll start the discussion with Ernest Green. Ernest Green is just what what I call a baller. I mean, this guy can play. His dad was a pro O-lineman. He uh, in, injured himself last year and uh, had to get a repair, but uh, he, I think he's really come back and come on strong. He's got a very competitive situation there. Uh, with Blasky for that other position at left tackle, who's got a lot of experience. But Ernest Green is is the kind of tackle that George has played with, with like Andrew Thomas and, uh, you know, Roderick Jones and uh, Sayer. I mean, he, he's a he's a, what you're looking for. And uh, he's got a tough fight there because Blasky just goes out there and competes, and he'd be the other guy that would be the, be the sixth guy or the fifth guy, one of them. Uh, Blasky's just hung in there, good good technique, knows how to compete, and uh, I'm glad we got him too. Yeah, the thing about him is if something happens with Van Pran at center, then Blasky is currently the number two center. And so yeah, that, he, that's a unique combo to be a tackle center. He can play center. Of course, we got going on to the center. We got Jared Wilson, who was a highly recruited kid from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, that we got that uh, really chapped North Carolina and all those people because uh, – you know, everybody's thinking he'd stay in state, but he, he's really good player. Uh, got good feet, athletic, and uh, could play guard too. So uh, he's going to play a lot here in the future. Let's go to Michael Morris. You know, Michael Morris is a, is a guy that got hurt early on, but uh, really, I'm, I'm sorry here. I'm going to have to look at my notes here. I was doing pretty good, but I had some things on him. But, uh, I like Mike. I like the fact that he, uh, you know, came back and got going after he got hurt. Uh, and he's got good size. I mean, really good size. Uh, probably uh, not as – if you just look at his stats, you don't realize how big he is. But uh, he, yeah. he's probably of the next group of linemen that we have after those six, the most talented. Uh, Wilson's probably the most athletic uh then you got Dylan Fairchild, who's the strongest and very nasty, <laughs> can play multiple positions uh, as, as a weight room freak, can do a lot of good things there, and uh, just kind of transform that to the field. Then the, the other guy we got is uh, Lindbergh, who can play guard or tackle, was highly recruited, has not got to play a lot. It's been good on, on special teams, but really has uh, – a good knowledge of how to play the techniques that Stacy wants. So he can come in there and fill in in a backup role. And then uh, coming off of that, we've got two freshmen that have been around here, redshirt freshman, Drew Bobo, who really has come on strong at center and uh, got good feet, very athletic. I, I, I kid Mike, you know, he got a lot better feet than Mike had. <laughs> <laughs> Big guy, he can lean on you. But the the guy that's come in here early that's done pretty well is Monroe Freeling, who uh, was highly recruited from South Carolina. Stacy knew about him when he was in North Carolina. This guy really took the benefit of being around here, a lot like Sperling uh, all spring. He's he's redeveloped his body. He looks good. He'll be ready to play if called on. 
uh, not experience wise, but now he's got the length and the, uh, uh, the leverage and his strength is improving. He, he's, to me, he's a guy that really makes the future look good. And we got three guys that showed up here uh, as, as that started coming in here, or uh, you know, with the with freshmen when they reported that they're just not ready yet. I mean, they, they got to get some some size as far as girth and all that, and they're behind in the scheme and all. But that gives you a pretty good rundown on what the fresh what the O line looks like to me. I think the the biggest key is our front line O line is as good. Of course, we probably won't win the award. Michigan will win it again, more <laughs> award. But uh, let me let me mention a couple of these names just to make sure we have them: uh, Joshua Miller, Jamal Merriweather, some of the incoming freshmen. Uh, Alu Ba, I know there was some talk yeah. that he might well, we transfer. Got, He's still there. We got him, and we got that uh, Miller. Did you mention Miller? Uh, Joshua Miller. Yeah, uh, he's going to be okay. And uh, Ba has has done some good things. Uh, he needs to. Keep working. Uh, it's school still out for me on him. I, I think he's he's got some size, but he just he just wasn't ready when he got here. And uh, fortunately, he he's hung in there and worked hard in the weight room. But he'll be okay. And I want to I want to give us. I mentioned Michigan. There's something that I wanted to that I read that just really made me happy. Ohio State last 12 games against the SEC, two and ten. Who? Going to cry me a river about that last game, but what about all those others? Ohio State, they were a good team last year, no question. Best team were. They want to mention two uh, walk-on scout team offensive linemen that have just been with Georgia for a while: Miles Johnson and Chris Brown. Uh, they've been with the team and they're invaluable. Hey, those two guys come to work every day, go down there and take it. I mean, they go hard against some good D linemen, and the, they they do a good job for us. Did we mention Bo Hewley out of Fairburn? Did not mention Bo Hewley because, you know, I'm a bad producer. So there you go. Yeah, Bo, Bo got to keep working too. I mean, get, get working on his strength. But, uh, you know, I like the guys, all guys are, you know, to me, the le- it's a leverage game. I mean, it's just, you know, back in the old days, you got those nose guards that were 5'10", they could jump around and all that, and you had those offensive guards that bite them in below the waist and bite them in the areas that you're not supposed to. But uh, you just don't – you got to get the leverage now. Yeah, you, you did mention him, Coach, from the, like, the three freshmen that came in, but I wanted to uh, hear on him specifically because that was, that was kind of a fun recruiting battle to watch as well. I, uh, offensive linemen want good food. They want to eat a lot. That's what they do. So if you have an offensive lineman in your life, like, uh, or you just want good damn food, swing by our friends at your pie and get one of the uh, their specialty pizzas, get their lineage supreme, their barbecue uh, chicken bacon ranch, the hot honey pepperoni, uh, the great white, the avocado bacon club, my favorite, the southern heat. There's some fantastic pizzas there, or you just design your own. You tell them what uh, what sauce you want, you know, what, I mean, what crust you want, what sauce you want, what cheese, uh, and all the toppings. We've had a few people said they tried it for the first time and they absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm actually going to go to Italy next month where they got the idea to create the Drew and Ellie French. I think they were on their honeymoon. They were in uh, uh, Ishka, Italy, and they said, you know, this is a great concept. So they created it from scratch. And now there's 70 locations. So it's the best of Italy. It's great pizza designed by a great family who knows what people like, and it's been a wonderful success. So hit up your pie. If you want to order online today, it's double points, Susie. So if you you use the your pie app on your phone, you'll get double points. Those points add up very quickly to get you free pizza. So hit them up when you get a chance. They have the pizza prosciutto back, Roddy, which is a favorite every summer, but now they also have a hot version of it. I think it's called like a kicking sizzling peach deal. So you need to check that one out. We'll check that out. Uh, speaking, you know, we mentioned that there's a lot of your pies out there. They franchise the concept, but if you're not, if you don't want to do a your pie franchise, but you're thinking of becoming your own boss, you're thinking of getting out and doing things yourself. You want to be the person who gets all the money and pays other people, and you know you you're in charge, and you want to get out of your uh, the rat race and get out of your dead end job. Go to myperfectfranchise.net. Reach out to Andy Ludecki. He will take care of it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Reach out to him, uh, voicemail, text, 
you know, go to his website, set up a, an appointment, just call him. He will take your call and he will run you through the process of kind of evaluating franchises, what's good and what's bad. And you're not going to get taken again. He doesn't charge you a dime. He helps you avoid the pitfalls that some people make when they decide to go out uh, and franchise. He can, he's been very successful getting people into it because he's done it himself. So there's 3000 different franchises out there. He will find the right one for you. Reach out to Andy Ludecki. It is a no brainer. It's one of the easiest things you'll ever do to improve your life. So hit him up and uh, let him know uh, we sent you. We're going to get to some questions from our fans here from ugasports.com or if you're watching us live on YouTube or Facebook, leave your questions over in the chat and we'll get to those before the end of the show, including some that we didn't get to last week. Coach Cajun Dog on the Dog Vent wants to know what type of wrinkles might you see with the offense with Coach Bobo at the helm? You know, you always got uh, inherent things that you like as a coach that maybe a little bit different than what the previous guy had. So uh, Mike's always been really good at using the uh, uh, play action pass. Uh, you know, when you watch Murray and Stafford and all those guys, because they're such a good, strong running game. Uh, yeah. I think we'll see maybe a little bit more outside zone in the running game, uh, maybe a little bit more misdirection in the passing game, maybe not quite as many drop back passes and more play action, but, uh, and some, uh, screens to the backs. Uh, you know, he's always liked those two. So those are some of his MO as far as the, in the past. Now, a lot of times you, when you take over something, you, you don't want to change too much, but I can guarantee freaking tell you that he's going to have a lot going to number 19. <laughs> and you're always looking for a wrinkle there. And uh, I saw this play a couple weeks ago uh, that I really liked. Uh, you know, I sit around and watch tape all the time. And, uh, just like out of empty formation and put the back in motion that's a slot into the boundary. And usually when he goes in motion towards the trips, he'll be the guy you throw the ball to. But uh, this team put him in motion, and then he came on and became a blocker on the perimeter, and the inside receiver stepped up and then caught the quick screen. And immediately I thought about Bowers doing that with the back being the blocker instead of the catching the ball. And uh, I showed it to him. I'm sure they won't use it, but it would be good. Good play. I'd use it. Anything <laughs> you can get the ball to Bowers to, I'd do it. I was always impressed with how Bobo used tight ends in the offense. I have to imagine when he becomes the play caller, which he's been involved in the last year. So this is not a new thing that he's around these tight ends, but he's just got to be salivating at the level of tight end he has on this team. Yeah. And one of the things in his early formative days as a coach, uh, we had some positions here uh, and I made Mike a graduate assistant but there wasn't anything available in the offensive backfield or the uh, quarterback situation. So he helped coach Atkins with the tight ends uh, for a year. So he learned a lot about pass protection, run blocking, route running, all that from, from coach Atkins, who at that time we had Randy McMichael and <coughs> Javaris Johnson and uh, Larry Brown, some of those guys, uh, Wiggins. So he's around some pretty good tight ends. UGA alum 95, one of our regulars with the questions, has a pair of them, one from last week, one from this week. He says, Coach Donna, do you think Carson Beck will be ready by the Carolina game? Um, and if he struggles in any early games, do you feel confident that Kirby sticks with him or goes to Vandergriff? Well, anything I say could be right or wrong there. I think what's going to be really impress impressive for all these kids are important too. It's how they work this summer with uh, the other players and against our defense. Uh, I like the fact, and, and you know, everybody that watches this show knows that we practice against each other and all that. But the difference is that now you can do all this stuff prior to practice starting. I mean, we'll have an install all summer where we'll go over again what we've already installed in the spring. We're starting it over now. And then they'll start it again with fall camp. So they'll be on their third install of the same stuff. And they'll be going against our defense, who everybody knows is 
really good. So uh, how you how you perform all summer is going to help you as a kick kickstart going into the fall. And uh, he's got two guys breathing down his neck, uh, not just Brock Vandergriff. I, I can tell you right now, Gunnar Stockton is the real deal. I mean, this guy can hum the ball. He can move on the, in the pocket. And he's a coach's son. He knows football. Uh, just like Vandergriff. And uh, so we got a good situation there. But uh, Beck deserves the opportunity to be the starter, but based on his what he's put in, and it's up to him to hold the job. And, uh, you know, uh, he's got the, it's there for him. He just got to take it. And certainly it looks like we've got an easy start, and more than likely we will. But those games always worried me because everybody's telling you, look, you know, as come. You know, when are we going to pull the starters out, all that stuff? And uh, I'll just remind you, Nickel State. We played North Carolina and beat them in Kirby's first year. We were fighting our butt off to win that game at the end of the game against Nickel State because the kids just didn't prepare very good. I mean, they weren't ready, and Nichols came in there and almost beat us Kirby's second game. So I don't think that's going to happen now because there's just too many good players here, but – those those little uh, those that games, that game. <laughs> those games are uh, you know we got UT Martin and then Ball State Ball State Root Jartek. We uh, do have a little uh, breaking recruiting news from our boy Blaine Gilmer, uh, five star uh, uh, defensive end Williams Nawari to make an unofficial visit to Athens this weekend. So good. It never stops. Uh, the, guy uh, from, Summit, Missouri. the guy from Lee Summit, Missouri? I know you've been keeping an eye on him, so uh, he's going to make an official visit, unofficial visit this weekend. So I'll give you a good story on him right now that you wouldn't get anywhere in America. Yesterday, I'm out there in Oklahoma, and when I'm in Oklahoma, I got to go see Coach Switzer. I mean, I mean, he he's the one that gave me my big opportunity, and He's just the man. I mean, you know, he it's like Dooley, Coach Dooley around here. I mean, yep. if you got a chance to see him, you're going to go see him. And so uh, we, we met and had breakfast and everything. And, you know, he's 85. He's slowing down a little bit, but mentally straight. And he said, how much you think it's going to cost to get that? What's his name, William? William Snowari. He said, how much you think it's going to cost to get him? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Listen, I'm, here. I'm here. I don't know if we got enough. <laughs> and what he's talking about legitimately is it's NIL. You know, this kid has got a lot out there. So, but but it's Barry and Jim Don we're talking about. And I, I knew who he was because my son had told me about him. And of course, you know, keeping up with Blaine and Jed and what a terrific job they do. Uh, that, I'm going to toot our own horn here. Those guys and, and Trent Smallwood, those guys do a heck of a job of talking to these kids and keeping us up. I mean, you can't know everything about who's going to commit, when, and do all that. But, you know, when a guy makes an official visit and then you talk to him about what he did and all that, I, I just love to read about it. But I was aware of this guy more about my own son telling me that he thought that OU was in there good with him. And then First thing Switzer said after we said, how you doing? How's your family? What do you think you're going to take the game? That's big. Hey, hey, this is number three player in the nation. And that's a he, – he's, uh, he's a man. So, I can see why Oklahoma's fighting tooth and nail. And a couple, uh, couple old coaches sitting around and having breakfast talking about this kid. Yeah. Now, you you can take, take the coaches out of the game, but you can't take the game out of the coaches. That's right. for sure. And here, here's the other thing. You know, it's – Today's what, June 20th? Yes, sir. We were riding to the airport yesterday, June 19th. And they, they got this play, this station in in, in uh, Norman that they had when I was there. WNWLS. You know, that's the way the guy used to say <laughs> And they talk about football from the first of the day to the end of the day. That's all it is. I mean, they, they don't talk about the Braves. Like, we got people around here with the Braves and the – I mean, it's just OU football, and occasionally the, somebody will call in about OSU, but very rarely. I mean, they, they do a little bit. I have to get <laughs> But they're talking about that 2024 schedule. People just can't get enough. Of, hey, OU coming to the league. Uh, 
they're setting up these trips. I mean, they, they're so fired up about going to LSU, going to Auburn. They, they got these big trips planned that you can read about online. That, hey, travel with us. We're going to visit these. So we kind of take that for granted. But uh, these people are fired up about I mean, don't I can't wait to see you OU fans in Baton Rouge. <laughs> the only thing that they're just totally mesmerized is the fact that Alabama's coming there and they, they feel like Georgia might be coming there in 25, but they know Alabama is in 24. Second question from UGA alum 95. Coach, what do you make of Florida's recent surge in recruiting, especially in the state of Georgia? Well, I mean, they got a couple kids for sure. That one they got from Ole Miss from Mississippi yesterday was huge. Five-star guy. I mean, and they, they were certainly making a big deal out of it because they've been so low, but all of a sudden they've jumped it up. Uh, I don't know that they've gotten that many that we want, but they've certainly a lot better. I mean, when you've been as bad as they have been in recruiting, uh, they, they've made a good jump here lately. I'm interested to talk to a couple of our coaches about some of the guys that they got committed. I know they lost the quarterback, which is an interesting scenario. A guy going into 10th grade and he's reclassified and he's going to be going to Mississippi now. I mean, I don't know how that happens, but uh, they say he's 17 years old. But uh, they got that lagway guy that they still feel like's committed, that quarterback that was in the lead 11. And, uh, I mean, they, get, they, they got a good class coming in, but it's not anything like, what we have or what Alabama will have, but it's a good class. If you want to be the class of your – The whole thing on Billy Napier was he's a good recruiter. That's, that's all yeah, I, I can tell you one thing. Billy, Billy Napier is a heck of a coach. Yeah. I've always had a lot of respect for him. I remember Kirby talking about him when he was assistant coach at Alabama, talking about how, how complete a receiver coach he was as far as the drills they did against each other and things like that. We, we were talking about because, you know, my, my martial ties with Furman, playing Furman and all that. I said, how's that Napier guy? And I remember talking to him. He's, he's a heck of a coach. He said, he's going to be a head coach one of these days. He's very thorough. So that was a long time ago. So uh, the problem is I just don't – they're losing too many coaches. They, their staff is – they got some guys that – it's really kind of surprised me that they're coaching, but uh, well, it goes back to I, mean, I, I know it's a nebulous concept, but when you're recruiting those players and you're also going after those coaches, like you said, it's fit and character. You know, yeah, yeah you got, I, I always kind of just I said, no, get the best guy available. But yeah, I always ask them. Some of these guys are talking about their staff. I said, well, how many of these guys would uh, you think could coach for Alabama, or you know? back in the days, but now how many of those guys do you think would be on Georgia's staff or, you know what I mean? So, uh, no, that's a good way. We talk about it. We 2024, their schedule in state, they got to play UCF, Miami and Florida state plus the eight conference games. Uh, they need to win this year. Cause I don't know about 2024, man. Woo. Yeah. That's brutal. <laughs> Feel let's, bad sneak, for him. let's sneak in our last break and then we'll wrap up with uh, the rest of our questions. Dead Soxie. Dead Soxie, uh, I know a lot of you that if you did not get your dad a good Father's Day present, you can make it up to him right now by checking out uh, Dead Soxie. Go over there, get the get the good socks, get the stuff from them that they that you need. Uh, Dad's going to love them. And, you know, if you got some, if you're a father and you, they gave you a couple pair and you're like, oh, these are great, go ahead and get the whole set. Get the red and black ones, you know, get the ones that you need for the office because they're incredibly soft. They don't fall down your leg and they don't have that annoying seam at the front. Uh, they're really comfortable and you can have, they have athletic socks. They have the no-shows. So if you want the ones that are, you know, very, very below the uh, line in your shoe, they have those as well. They have the, you know, ones that go high up your calf. You pick, pick the color you want. They have some designer styles out there. So they have our friends at uh, Dead Soxy. Join the little VIP thing. You get free socks that way. It's basically, they'll give them your email address, join their VIP. That doesn't cost you anything, and they'll send you a coupon for free socks just so they can send you some marketing stuff, which you can promptly say, no, I don't want any more marketing stuff, but at least get a free pair to try out, see what you think. 
Also, I uh, want you to go and visit our friends at Academia Brewing Company. They always have neat stuff going on over there. I always feel bad that we don't get to point out all the cool stuff they have. Like, if you're in town for the music festival this weekend, uh, that's a great place to go hang out. You can try a new beer called Granny's O Sister, an amazing blend of strawberry, peach, and apple pie tea sour. That sounds amazing. So that's a good one. Of course, if you want something a little stronger than that, you can get their Java Kong. It's their banana coffee pastry stout. Uh, looks phenomenal. I love good stout beers. Just saying there's always neat stuff going on over there on the beer side of it. And, of course, uh, they have a restaurant there. This isn't like a brewery where you're lucky to get some uh, chips and salsa or some you know, beer nuts. Uh, if you haven't been by to check out their new blueberry cheesecake, you are really missing a fantastic meal. So uh, it's a very good uh, uh, cheesecake. And they even have a blueberry brew. So just saying, there's a, if you are a foodie or if you are a beer uh, connoisseur or you just want a good place to hang out for a music festival, you know, in between sets, go back to Demi Brew Company. They'll take great care of you. Question from North Buckhead Dog. Where does Coach Donnan expect Jalen Waller and John Bullard to get most of their snaps this year? Both are versatile enough to play multiple positions. Good question. Who was, who was the first one? Uh, Javon Bullard and Jalen Walker. Well, we've talked about it before a little bit about uh, Javon is such a good uh, run support guy and is so good at playing the ball in the air as compared to playing pure man coverage uh, like he has to at star position. I think with the with the guys we've lost in the secondary, uh, I can see him play, playing more safety than he will star, although he can play that, and he could play that in a dime situation where we'd maybe put Jackson in at safety and he would play the other uh, nickel guy along with uh, whoever the guy would be, you know, Tacky Smith as – certainly come along. Jalen Walker, I mean, you know, I, I was talking about Humphrey, how good he looked the other day on the hoof. Jalen Walker, I mean, he just – you look at the guy and you say, linebacker. <laughs> he just, he's just a stallion. But, you know, he can play outside, rush the passer on that uh, – some of that Jaguar stuff that we do where you have six – you know, six DBs and five linemen and – but he can play inside linebacker, play rush to passer, great special teams guy, and uh, could play tight end if you needed him to uh, on a special situation on the goal line. He's just a phenomenal athlete. All right, so where's he going to play? play where's he going to get most of his snaps? We're going to put you on the spot. It's just going to be harder to play uh, at linebacker because of the guys we, we got in there, you know, yeah. Depending on Munden's health, though, I mean, he's coming off a, a foot injury, and uh, he'd play a lot more linebacker if Munden's out. But if Munden's back, I could see him playing, kind of moving around a little bit more, kind of a hybrid guy. Where Coach, you, men you, mentioned, you mentioned those first two games. WI Dog says, does the fact that we open up with two relative cupcakes change anything about the approach in the summer and fall camp as compared to preparations last year when it was Oregon up first? He said, I'd imagine we wouldn't be quite as concerned with peaking early and maybe even use the first two as an extended fall camp. Love to know your thoughts, Coach Donnan. Yeah, I mean, it makes a good point. When you got the looming situation against a ranked team, you know, it, it's kind of – everybody's thinking, you know, how much are we going to put in here? What are we going to, how much are we going to work on our total package as compared to what we're going to do for Oregon? I think with the situation with those two, you can maybe work on every, all your opponents, maybe a little more without giving something away, you know, to your players, like you're looking ahead, but you know, you can just say, <coughs> we're going to spend some time on these teams too, but uh, it's just to show them their fronts and their stuff and everything like that. But, the, the overriding thing is just the com competitive situation we got ourselves going against each other and putting in your packages and you got to install everything with your special teams too. <clears throat> I was glad to just kind of walk by there and see that uh, freshman kicker and look up and see the ball going through the rafters the other day too. I like to see that. Oh, nice. Um, Phil yeah. Rogers on Facebook asked Roddy, is there any news about how Big Baby Hall is doing this summer? I have not heard a whole lot about uh, Big Baby, but I mean, 
we, the, the, the stuff we heard when he showed up was they were very excited about it because that's a, a monster. Is that, is, what, is that what they call him? That's what uh, in the YouTube chat. I, I've chat. seen that multiple times. They call him Big Baby. He's a Jordan. I mean, you look at him and Harris and all those guys. I mean, like I told everybody, I've never seen a freshman class that that that's that far along, ready to come in here and help you, uh, like those guys. It was we got a very outstanding freshman class, and then those two defensive backs from North Carolina that reported, or you know, last week or when was that? A week, ten days ago. No, it's like three weeks ago. Well, whatever they were, out, they started coming out here. Whatever they did, those two guys can fly. I mean, and intelligent, can, picking up the defense. They'll be better, quicker uh, help than you think. Good move by uh, Coach uh, Fran getting those guys in there. I, I like those guys. Well, I mean, I, those three freshman defensive ends just kind of blow my mind. But you know, when we heard about Jordan Hall and Jaw and Jared Jamal Jarrett. Everything was like, look at the size of these monsters coming in here. And yeah, I wonder that, that one defensive man can scratch his ankles with his hands. I mean, uh, well, uh, Samuel and Pimba, or and Pimba. I mean, yeah, just unbelievable. Damon Wilson. How much time we got uh, left now? I have uh, a pair of questions to wrap, both from Howard Eubanks. Yeah. And I got to tell this joke because I saw this guy. Uh, at the airport and said, Coach, could you tell the joke about that you always tell them? And I hadn't heard it in three or four years. And I'm sure most of the people have heard it before, but I like to tell it, but I'm going to tell it anyhow. So go ahead. All right. Howard Eubanks says, does Jackson Meeks make the next step in development this year? You know, I like Jackson. He, he really works hard. He's a great special teams guy. And he's uh, he just out there among some really good players. Uh, He's very consistent, and, you know, he, he can't have enough guys like him. I, I think he, you know, kind of like Don Blaylock kind of guy, just there, he's going to make the plays, and hopefully he'll get some more reps. Howard keeping the theme for Central Phoenix City. He says, is Georgia looking at Cameron Coleman, the five-star receiver from Central High School in Phoenix City, Alabama, to which I'll say – Dell McGee's probably known about him for about 10 years at this point, just the way Dell knows that. Yeah, is he going to be 25 or what? I haven't heard about him for 24, but. Yeah, that's not a name I know from the, this class. Phoenix City, man, home of Jimmy Red Phillips. Auburn's great, 1957. I'm trying to find the year on. But, I see 24, yeah. If he's, 20, if he's a. If he's a five-star, I would say we're on him. Now he's got uh, Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas offers, but I don't. What year is he? 2024. I, I don't think we're on him now. Shows him as having a Georgia offer. When we do our list, he doesn't really pop up that much. I promise you there's not a player in the Columbus and Phoenix City area that Del McGee doesn't know. I can yeah. say that with certainty. He goes over to the hospital every year and checks him out coming out. <laughs> he, he might deliver them he, he, he might be certified to do that too I love it alright coach time for your joke okay there's these three guys up in Atlanta at the uh, at this skyscraper that they were building an Italian guy and uh, a French guy and a Georgia Tech guy and uh, every day they would come in there and eat lunch and they, they would uh open up their lunch pails. And uh, so finally one day, this Italian guy said, I can't believe it. Every day I open up my lunch pail, I have the same things, spaghetti and meatballs. If I have that again one more time, I'm going to jump off of this roof. And the French guy opens it up. He says, Sacre blue. I've got chicken cordon blue every day. She makes me the same. If I get it tomorrow, I'm going to jump off too. Tech guy looks in and said, Hey, peanut butter and jelly, you know, same thing every day. If I get that, I'll jump off too. So the next day, they come in there and they open up. The first guy, he opens up. I can't believe it. I, I told her, it's the same thing every day. I got the tagging situation here with spaghetti and meatballs driving me crazy. I can't live anymore. He jumps off. 
Zachary Blues, so you got the same thing, you know, I can't eat this French food anymore. Jumps off and Jack Gallagher, good Lord, I got the same thing, peanut butter and jelly, and he jumps off. So the state would have it, you know, three guys committing suicide there. They had this uh, memorial service and the weeping widows and everything around there. And Italian woman says, oh, I just can't believe it. He threatened me, but I knew he loved the spaghetti and meatballs. So I fixed it for him again. I didn't know he would jump. And the French lady said, you know, it's a sacre bleu. Said, uh, he told me not to fix it anymore, but he loves that chicken corn and blue. He always liked the way I fixed it. So I didn't think he would jump. And the lady from Texas, I can't figure it out. He makes his own lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> Gets me every time. I love it. Hey, love it's it. a good joke, but every four or five years, just for the dog fans. But I enjoy telling that when I'm old. Yeah, but, man, uh, anytime you can make a, a Georgia Tech joke, that's the way to end the show on a on yeah, a it's, it's, a, it's a good one. But you know, Tech's getting some recruits too. They're in the top twenty-five. Uh, I see where they're uh, getting some pretty good players. So, um, and I tell you, they, they got a good quarterback. That kid that transferred in here. Uh, Good player from Texas A&M. I mean, he's a good player. Right, well, we'll wish them luck a little until they play Georgia. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday at noon. We will be uh, back live here taking your questions. Be sure to get them in when we put up the call for questions. And uh, if you would, if you're listening to this on an audio podcast, please go to Apple podcast and leave us a rating leave us a review we would greatly appreciate it and if you're watching us on youtube hit that follow button we'll see you next tuesday